It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> it's like my wife says, like shampoo bottles, anything with opening, a car with knobs and buttons. And she'll always say, not designed by a woman. No, I not I, designed by women. Right. People I that, break a nail opening it opening it. Right. You know, and it's <laughs> it's not just that it's not it's not designed by the primary user, right? Right. Like, <laughs> so whoever is using this product is not who designed it. Right. right. <laughs> so whoever designed the size of cat boxes clearly never tried them. There was no usability testing is what this comes down to. Right. Like, right. Because the cats are like, uh yeah. This is not enough space. Except so. for except for Paul, I think most women find him easy to use. I I I have no comment. <laughs> steering wheel, lots of steering wheel. Yeah. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Hello, and thank you for joining me at the Park for May for podcast number 559. It's Todd. No, Todd, not now. A.K.A. Negative Camber. And tonight, for your kind consideration, what three things will it take to make F1 great again? Well, we're going to talk about that, but before covering all that nonsense, I have to introduce my guest tonight, which of course means... That's right, I have to go all the way to the right coast of America, nestled in our nation's capital, where she plies her skills as a master statistician, crunching numbers and crafting meaningful questions about meaningful topics in meaningful surveys. It's the lonely, it's the redoubtable... Grace, how you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing good. Apparently, I'm going to be employed again tomorrow. So how about that, huh? That At was quick. For another three weeks. That's right. Well, I was happy. It was quick turnaround for you. You know, you yeah. you know what you had. You had just enough time off to go resupply yourself with cat litter. <laughs> I mean, those are the important things. That's it is. I think, you know, uh, once. I'm sh- I'm sure I told this story, but you know we're like you know that's always the joke is that people when there's a blizzard like go get toilet paper and milk and bread. Yeah, milk, we egg, went- and bread. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We went to you know like Petco and cleaned out all theirs of that specific brand that we use, and the guy was just like, "Why do you have six boxes?" I'm like, "We got three cats, and there's a blizzard coming. Like, <laughs> I can live without milk. I cannot live with cats <laughs> with an unclean box. Like, I don't think you understand, <laughs> dog owner. Like, you know." Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> right. It's non-negotiable. <laughs> right. And they're inside cats. They're not outside cats. No, that's right. That's right. right. So right. he was like, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, it's about <laughs> the necessities, man. It is. It is. I think, yeah, I think the only one that was better was the one time I went to the grocery store and just bought tonic water. And the person was like, that's some strange blizzard, uh, you know, stockpiling. I'm like, well, I already have the gin. Right. We might be inside for a while. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it happens here. It's it's that way all around America, yeah. uh, if you're not. But anytime right. there's a big snowstorm blizzard coming, uh, everybody goes to the panic aisle at the grocery store and they buy milk, eggs, and bread. And the the longstanding joke is, is what is it? Every time there's bad weather, everybody wants French toast, right? Yeah, right. So, and toilet uh, paper. That always seemed to be a thing, too. I don't. Well, yeah, but the, the the cat litter is a natural knock-on from the toilet paper because, you know, nature know, calls. People, don't you buy more? Like, who's buying, like, a roll at a time? That's what <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you know, like, you don't have, like, an, oh, no, I used the last roll. I guess that's it. You know, like. I don't know. It's Sam's or Costco. You know, I don't think you can buy a four-pack. you got to buy a, a, uh, a yeah. pallet full of that. That's what I'm saying. So that's yeah. why I think the toilet paper is funny. Is not because it's not a necessity, but who's like, oh no, we might be snowed in for a week. I better stock up on toilet paper. You don't have enough to cover. Like I don't understand that. Who's <laughs> buying just one roll at a time? That seems like uh, right. I don't think it works like that. But right, right. Well, Paul uses very little because he's got a bidet. But um, you know, that's how he rolls. Hey, you know, yeah, it, it's helpful. It is. That's that's how Paul rolls. You know, he's a proper gentleman. You know, he's a he's an Englishman in New York. So, uh, Grace, we're going to talk about some Formula One tonight because that's kind of what we are supposed to be doing at this show. Everybody's like poop talk. What? Get to the show. This is the this show. This is the show. Dang that's it. all right. I'm going to be hum- humming Sting all night now. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, let's talk about some Formula One. We what? Who should we talk about? Let's talk about. Get down. That's I feel right. Like you need like a a wheel. Like a like it's a plinko or something. Like oh yeah. Tink 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 tink. Or it's like the showcase tink, showdown. Tink. Yeah. At, at, right. at Price is Right. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, you spin it and it comes up and he goes, oh, what should we talk about? And it comes up and it's like, oh, total wolf. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Mercedes. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. There you go. That's it. Talking about Mercedes. Uh, this is an inter- interesting story. I'll try that in English. Uh, Total Wolf came out and said this about the driver pairing of Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. And, and uh, uh, this past week, he he had these these comments. He said, quote, uh, in the past, I always believed that a very fierce rivalry between teammates would be good for the team because they'd be pushing each other. The lessons I learned is that that is probably not true. You need two teammates to perform at a high level. They keep pushing each other in the car, but the rivalry shouldn't spill over into controversy outside of the car. The mindset and the relationship between the two made us stronger, gave an open and honest environment, and fund 
fundamentally are very fast, difficult car. We got it into a good place also because the two work so well together. The dynamic between Valtteri and Lewis made us develop the car in a very efficient way and made us win two championships. So not for one second do I regret where we are today. End quote. You know, dude, you're already winning everything. You don't have to try so hard. <laughs> don't sell us on it, man. Right. <laughs> right? Like, we bought it. <laughs> like you, tr- he tried so hard to sell us on the like, oh, center post angle. Uh, exactly. Rosberg exactly. And Hamilton, and now it's like they're friends, they're buddies. Everything's <laughs> great. It makes our team stronger that they work together. Right. You're winning everything. You don't. You can just say you could totally Bill Belichick this. You could just tell us the date at every press release. You win everything. You don't have to say stuff like this. You don't have to work so hard to create a storyline. You win. It's fine. Like I don't understand why Total Wolf just like. I, again, this is why I think the Magic Eight Ball firmly lives in Mercedes now. Yeah. Like, I said here, this is yours. I give this to you for safekeeping. I just, I don't. Don't I understand who what what question led to this comment? What did somebody ask him that this is what he came up with? Yeah, Was it's it, interesting. Like, because, two winning drivers at your team, right? It's interesting because I've read statements which honestly could be construed as the exact opposite of this from Toto, and especially when, as Grace, as you mentioned, when Nico is still there, which you would expect, I guess. You know what? What's Toto gonna say? You know, he's got two drivers that are literally trying to throttle each other, and what's he gonna say? You know, oh yeah, this sucks. No. He's not going to say that, but he has said, oh, no, this is great. It drives each other harder and blah, blah, blah. And and, um, and even, you know, Toto spoke of the need for a great rivalry to keep everyone frosty, you know, on the team. And then he comes out of nowhere and says, uh, it says this even last last season. Right. Uh, he was sort of prodding Valtteri along and and uh but then he comes out and talks about this complete harmony within the team and how they work oh, so yeah, well yeah. together as i said in the article you know what rubens kind of liked it too for a while i mean you know he was very happy to be at ferrari in the early days and supporting michael but that changed pretty quickly and he became rightfully so bitter about it and i'm curious how long Valtteri will be uh interested in playing caregiver to lewis i i, I don't know that that's going to last as long as it did with Rubens at Rubens. Well, I, also, I don't think that's how Valtteri Bodas views it either. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. You know, I right. It. I mean, I think that I, I guess I, I mean, I, right. I don't know Rubens very but I guess I would see that as it's a stepping stone, right? You're willing to play number two to the greatest driver ever. And then at some point you're like, oh, I thought this gig would just be a couple years. Right. I didn't think this would be my entire career, right? I don't think that's the situation with Botas at all. I don't think he's like, well, I'll just do this for a few years. No, I don't think that's how he sees it. So, I mean, it's nice that Total Wolf's trying to kind of cast it that way, but. Yeah, I, it's I, a good point. I, I don't know. You know, I don't think Valtteri, you know, obviously Valtteri's not Rubens, but um I don't know that Valtteri's that interested in doing that, uh, to be honest with you. I think he's like when he was driving with Moss at Williams, we got to see some, you know, some real punchy side of Valtteri mm-hmm. that I liked a lot. Yeah, and yeah. um and I thought that was good. Now there is one issue at hand though, folks. Okay. Um and I'm sitting here saying, Well, you know, he's not gonna like it and he's not gonna stand for it and he'll just start, you know, punting Lewis in the weeds. Well there's an issue at hand here. Well, he did win some races and qualified well at certain tracks. I mean he isn't as competitive against Lewis as Nico was with Lewis. So, 
you know, Nico and Lewis were hammering tongs, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't see a lot of that from Valtteri last year with Lewis. Now, you could argue that Lewis was in the zone and hooked up in a different zip code from anyone, um, you know, whatever. But I would say that Valtteri last year wasn't as close as Nico was to Lewis in the previous years. But I... Well, I was just going to say, will that change in 2018? Or, you know, is, is Lewis quite simply just faster than Valtteri and always will be? And and Valtteri's pace will be, you know, enough off that they just make a good symbiotic pair where Valtteri is always running second and running blocker for Lewis? Or will Valtteri get to a point like Nico where he can run with Lewis, you know, on most occasions and go at him with hammer and tongs? So I think that... I mean, while I don't think it's quite, you know, Alonzo clause where the second driver has to be worse than I am. I have to be the number one driver. But I mean, from a team perspective, that's exactly what you want, right? It you is. want one driver who always finishes first and the other driver to always finish second. Exactly. So you always want to find a driver who is better than everybody else, but not as good as your number one driver. And so I can see that Bodas fits that, that spot. I, I guess I don't see that as the same as, um, Ferrari's treatment of Rubens Barrichello. No, it's a good point because clearly, you know? yeah, clearly, um, that, like you said, that was like the Schumacher clause and he was clear number one and Rubens was uh, clear number two. You know, and I don't know how much the team, I mean, right, Mercedes has always been like, we let our drivers drive. Like, all right, you know, if that's not just lip service, you know, Ferrari doesn't have that. You know, Ferrari would be the first one to say, no, we have a one driver and a two driver. And if two driver needs to move over because one driver needs to get through, we're going to do that because we're here to win. And that's how we play. And, you know, Mercedes is, you know, um, tried to do the like, no, we let our drivers drive. I mean, if they legitimately let that do that, then that's what you'd want. You want a talent who's who's good, but not as good as Lewis Hamilton. And I, I think they have that with Botas. And um, at some point. You know, he, I'm sure he's hoping to, you know, he will become the number one driver. When Lewis moves on to something else, then, you know, it would be Botas's for the, the taking. Right, right. Yeah, it, I, I'll be very interested to see how this works out. You know, if they extend Lewis's contract, like, for another three years to 2020 or 2021. Um, I'd be curious to see how Ver, Valtteri does in this situation and how Mercedes manages it. Um, Why wouldn't, I mean, I think Mercedes would sign Lewis. They'd sign Lewis for another 16 years. Um, I think it's whether or not Lewis wants to sign for another three years. Yeah. On surface, I would say the same thing too, Grace. If I've got a multi multiple champion driving for me I, yeah. and I'm Mercedes, I'm thinking, you know, I'll sign Lewis to mm-hmm. another, you know, five year contract, 10 years. It works, right? Yeah. He wins. I, it's, it, I don't know, the last comment I remember reading, and this is about three weeks ago, maybe, from Toto regarding the renewal of Lewis's contract or whatever it was. I was reading between the lines, which can get you in trouble. You can infer, mm-hmm. you know, things that aren't there. But I've read enough Toto. Uh, I th- I mean, he's pretty, he's very, uh, he's very, I wouldn't say crafty with his words, but he's very measured. And what he says, I mean, you know, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. And I didn't sense the kind of verbs and and adjectives that you would normally have with regards to resigning Lewis. Now, I mm-hmm. don't read anything into that. I'm just saying, I, you know, if it were me, I'd say, yeah, you know. Now he, but he's got to play poker, right? Because Lewis, right. to do an extension, Lewis is going to kind of come at him with a huge price tag this time, right? right? 
And so Toto's got to be very measured. He's got to be very careful about what he's laying out there and saying, oh, my gosh, are you crazy? We'd sign Lewis in a New York minute. You know, he can't say that. It's like buying a car. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you, when you go out and test drove your, your new car, Grace, you yeah. pulled back in and the guy said, uh, well, you know, what you think car? You didn't go, oh, my gosh, that is the best car I've ever driven. You got out and you say, yeah, it's all right. You know. You don't tip your hat, right? So anyway, I, I'll be intrigued to see what they do when when and if they re-sign him. Um, how much – we'll never know. There will be guesses about how much they re, they yeah. pay Lewis. But uh, where Valtteri fits in all this, I'm just intrigued to this young man. I've seen flashes of brilliance from him, aggressive uh, driving from him. Um, I'm, I'm – you know, I, I think we can afford a season to get a sea legs at um, – at Mercedes, I'm just I'm intrigued to see what he will do next year, given which Lewis shows up. Right. So can I just say that who am I to be disparaging over the fact that you do the notes, but they actually say seal legs. And I think that's my new favorite hashtag. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great typo. <laughs> hashtag seal legs. I love it. <laughs> it does not say seal legs. <laughs> it's awesome. We're going to be talking about Valtteri because, you know, old seal legs. That's it. That's that's how nicknames are born. That's old how they're born. Legs. That's right. I love it. Old seal legs. Old seal legs bonus. That's the kind of thing I would type in an email and I'd read it 18 times. I think, yeah, I can send this out to everybody. And this would be like, ha ha, seal legs. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to you, I read that email. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. Oh, now, I, gets his seal legs at Mercedes and does well. <laughs> you know, now Valtteri, he is a mighty, hardy man from the north. He is indeed. He is indeed. Now, he is a, the seal leg breed, you know. He, yes. He may, yeah. I'm not saying that he's clubbed a seal. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Or hugged a dolphin. I'm just saying. That- yeah. Yeah. He may have done that. He may, he, you know, he may have eaten seal legs. You know, they taste like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Gosh, I don't know. It's great, man. I, I mean, again, I can't cast aspersions, so no, I it, both aspersions is not a word either. But you know, it's like seal legs. You're, you're with me here, so I am. I'm totally just, with you. I'm I in just the enjoy pocket. Your typo, and I think that should be our new hashtag. It's um, like you know, just the wind. Oh, it's just seal the wind. legs. It's seal legs. <laughs> oh boy! All right, what else is in the news here? We're going to talk about. Oh, um, okay, so. Um, the uh, the Formula One management has Ross Braun as their technical guru, and um, he's working on trying to come up with new regulations for 2020 um, that everybody can play under. There's lots of talk, and this is – you know, we don't see it in the press, but I'm telling you the power struggle over F1 is happening right now. You know, it's sans Bernie. The new owners have had it for a year. They're trying to make changes on regulations. Teams are pushing back. You know, there's going to be a lot of stuff going. It's going down, all right, as we speak. But apparently, Ross has brought in Pat Simmons to help him. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, Pat's a sharp guy. Pat Pat and I differ on some opinions. Pat's, Pat's a little bit more apt to drink the Kool-Aid than I am, but, but he's a genius and I'm not. So we'll let it go there. Um, in these things, I don't disparage yourself, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just read a lot, but Pat, uh, Pat's come on board to help out. And here's what he said, uh, this week, uh, quote, Puppycock. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) Doesn't Pat, you know, as much as I say, every time you saw a picture of Patrick head, and you and you would you would Patrick expect Head. when you hear him talk he would go Patrick Head right That's you right. expect that 
Pat Simmons, every time I see him, I always think of this, you know, old school, stuffy British, Englishman, yeah, yeah. right? You know, oh, Pony Hawk, we're going to Monaco, right? <laughs> That's what I, so he said, we're looking at the technical. No, here's, here's actually what he said. Okay. He said, um, quote, we're looking at the technical and sporting regulations. So we decided that what we wanted to do was technically, we wanted to have three performance differentiators. Those would be aerodynamics. It's interesting to a lot of people, and no one could write rules that didn't make it a performance differentiator, so we might as well expect it and make it one of the things that matters. It is like the thing that matters. (laughs) No, I get into that in a minute. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just think like... Seal legs! Seal legs! Got ahead of me there. Okay, wait a minute. I'm sorry. It's like shoes. Yeah, it's one of the things that matter. I'm sorry. My gosh, Pat, did you put that together yourself? That's awesome. You are God's gift to oxygen. All right. So uh, equally, he says, I continue, uh, equally, the power unit for manufacturers involved in F1, it's important to them. It It's interesting to fans. So let's make it a performance differential. Okay. So you with me? There you go. We got a differentiator I'm, I'm, and a differential. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This may also become a hashtag. <laughs> Performance differential. <laughs> and finally, is suspension. And by that, I mean the way we treat the tires. The way the teams use the tires. Those are the three technical differentiators that we want to see. There'll be others. Drivers, pit stops, pit crew, strategy. But these are the technical things we're really going to focus on, end quote. Okay. Okay. So let's unpack this, shall we? Yeah, that's really everything. It is, pretty much. What what do we say? Aero, engine, and suspension. That's pretty much the car. That's 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 like describing a McLaren car as going what's well, not very quick in the turns or in the straight. Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much problem. everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, honestly, there's nothing easy about any one of these containers, and all three are intrinsically tied to each other in a delicate design of performance and compromise. I mean, if you impact one, and then the other two can often change. Right, for um, sure. You know, they're all tied together. As Grace mentioned, this is the whole car. I mean, we're talking about. Uh, so the point being that the design of a car is a holistic process, and all components are combined to create the performance a team wishes to achieve. However, I'm curious what your thoughts, you, the listeners, 
as well as Grace's thoughts are on each differentiator. And let's start. Let's talk about Arrow real quick. So Arrow for me, and this is my opinion on this, but uh, uh, certainly may not be yours. And let us know in the comment section below. Um, but Arrow, for me, this is the elephant in the room. And while I think he's correct in the assumption that it is interesting to fans, it may not be interesting for the reasons he's suggesting. The majority of fan commentary I've read, they're interested in arrow reduction and more ground effect, not doubling down on more arrow downforce because I happen to feel like it's interesting. I mean, most fans seem that I read their comments, most fans seem to consider the amount of arrow as a negative impact on current racing and the ability for cars to follow close to each other. Now, this may or may not be the case, but most of the press and commentary fans read suggest that reducing arrow will cure some of the major issues that's thwarting exciting racing. It, you know, it's not that the fans don't find it interesting. They're just interested in how F1 can limit its negative impact on racing. Is that a fair statement? No, I agree with you 100%. Do you? Okay. I mean, I feel like since time immemorial, we've been talking about mechanical grip and arrow, right? Like, you yeah. want to solve the problem? Let's talk about mechanical grip. You know, right. like, this is this is as old as the, you know, sands of time, this discussion about arrow versus mechanical grip. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm by no means an engineer, but I, I agree with that. I think that's what most people are interested in. Yeah, error yeah. reduction. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, he, he was saying, and maybe he meant it that way, but it isn't how he said it. He said, well, you know, fans find it interesting, and there's no way you're going to write regulations to get away from it, so we might as well embrace it and make a differentiator. I, you know, I guess, yeah, but that's what got us bat crazy things like uh, DRS, right? So, I no, I don't think we engage in double down on arrow. Uh, I think most fans are very keenly interested in Arrow and how we can reduce it. <laughs> because, right, because that is ultimately what's going to make the racing better. Right? Well, at least that's what we've been told by numerous, numerous people in F1 and the press. And so, and those, yeah. there's a lot of listeners out there. A lot of, there, a lot of them are engineers. There's a lot of, of people that are in engineering and into fluid dynamics or CFD. And, and they can tell you, yes, it will improve racing. But, um, so that's what we think. I don't know. I mean, what, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, right. It, it It's fundamental to any car, right? I mean, so yeah, it's, yeah exactly. I, I just think that, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to be hopeful until proven otherwise. Let's hope that by it's a differentiator. Pat Simmons means the same thing we do. Right. Which is, yeah, less of it would be better. Right. But stop, stop with the trickery. I think, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that's what he means either, but like, Trickery is not what we want in our sport either. Like we, no, we had good racing without trickery. Please just get rid of the trickery. Yeah, I agree. Whatever I agree. you want to call it, you know, right? You don't want to call it push the pass, fine. But that's what you got. So please stop. Please stop. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on the engine front, when he talks about the engine, now he, he just to refresh your memory, let me go back up here. He says, uh, uh, <laughs> on the engine, he said the power unit. For manufacturers involved in F1, it's important to them. It's interesting to fans, so let's make it a performance differential. Okay. 
Now, I find that it's a curious comment, and I think it may be a very good thing for him to say to placate manufacturers, but I might argue that the fans are as equally interested in the engine only as it negatively impacts F1 and exciting racing. And now, to be fair, there are fans who love the move toward electric in F1, but nothing I have seen would lead me to think that this is a majority. I believe it's a minority of fans. The engine has been the target as an impact to cost and engine supply contract costs. So as of now, it's a differentiator, all right, but not in a good way, just not a positive one, right? Um, they aren't a massive, you know, I guess I guess my issue on this is that it's not a differentiator or it is a differentiator in its impact and cost. And at least that's what's been said a, a million times in, in the press and everyone else. And no matter how much the FIA and everyone wants to downplay the cost of those regulations or the new engines and that technology and that high technology, that's the fact. Um, and you could argue a lot of different reasons for that. But again, I think the first two buckets he's picked, aero and engine, and he said that fans are very interested in both of those. They are. They're interested in changing them. Right. Yeah. I think so. And I think the thing with, with uh, electric is that exists, right? It does. I mean, I guess- Formula E. I guess to me, I, I've often used the beer analogy, right? Like, it's okay that NASCAR exists and rally car exists. And, like, these are, you know, sometimes I want a Corona and sometimes I want a Guinness. Oh, right, 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 right. Right. All these things can exist. And so I don't think it's it's any problem that, you know, Formula One still has a combustible, you know, engine and that Formula E is electric. Like, that's fine. I, I thought like it was great. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes I want one and sometimes I want the other. I don't think that... Um, you have to try to, everybody doesn't have to be a crappy, hoppy IPA in order to be successful. There's space <laughs> for all of these things. Right. So, right. Um, right. Right. So yeah, if the manufacturers want to focus on electric, which of course they do, and that should be worked on. That is the, the, and it is informally e, Mercedes is there, you know, Audi's there and, you know, do that there. That's, I mean, yes. when Formula E started, I thought this is the perfect proving ground for EV. Right. I mean, it's awesome. I was excited about it. Yeah. I was excited for it. I'm not interested in watching it because I don't really care to watch open wheel cars go 60 miles an hour. But, but Nick Heidfeld. Well, Nick, Nick was Heidfeld. in it. And that's the whole reason I watched the first, you know, few races this season. And, and it was like, and they're like, oh, you know, we'll be achieving speeds of three. You know, and it was like, you know, it's like 60 and then I'm watching Lewis over here storm down at 220 miles an hour. And I'm going to, yeah. yeah, I'm going to watch that one. Um, I guess I'm just, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that you don't have, Formula One doesn't have to be everything to everybody. Exactly. It won't be. Pick your lane, be. what right. you want to focus on, what you want your series to be and let other things be taken care of by other things in other sports. You, you can just be uh, a NASCAR Corona, or you can be a Formula One Stout. You don't have to try to be everything. Just pick what you want to be and be and good be at that thing. Exactly, I agree. So, the last yeah. thing, the last thing he talks about is suspension, and in his mind, he's talking about tires. Now, the thing I said, and Paul and I talked about this uh, previous podcast that Pirelli's bringing more compounds this year to promote more mm-hmm. pit stops. As last season, the, the amount of pit tire. stops were way the plaid tire. Yes. Uh, the pit stops were way down, uh, with most races being a one-stopper. Now, the question I have for listeners out there, let us know, but the question for you is, are more pit stops desirable? Does this improve 
the racing, add more moments of passing in the pits and more strategy debacle or more chances for screw-ups with a wheel gun? I mean, is that a good thing? Is that, um, I would argue that the reason this potentially could be seen as a good thing to racing is because it gives more room for errors, which could upset the running order on the grid because we can't do it on track. So if we can't get, if we can't follow cars or pass cars as well on track because the arrow, then we had the refueling and the tires and the tire changes and all that. And we used to do that. And a lot of mistakes could get made. And there was reason, you know, and it, you, you were on your edge of the seat. Is he going to get in and get a splash and dash before he gets out in front and keeps the lead? You know, those kind of things. Um, you know, I think it's all part of Formula One and it certainly has been for a long time. Is that important to you because that's what Pirelli's aiming for in 2018 is to prompt two and three pit stops per race. Um, is that exciting? I guess, Grace, I would also add on to that. Um, how much more exciting is it really when the pit stops are two seconds long? So I I like strategery. Granted, I started watching in 2000, right? The golden age of strategery, I guess. Yeah. Um, I like that, you know what I mean? But everybody used to, you know, complain and hem and haw about, oh, you know, it's all done in the pits and, you know, and right? they nobody's did. passing in the track. I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. Maybe, you know, it's my inner math nerd that likes the fact that somebody's sitting there calculating how much fuel you have and how many laps you can go and, right, if something goes wrong or if you refueling takes a second longer and now right. you totally screwed up everything. I like that part of it, right? That's to me is like the chess part of this and not yeah, the trackers right. part of it. So to me, I would like more pit stops. I like the longer pit stops because I think that, again, that, that strategy to me was was such a part of it and how many stops could you make and if there was a caution flag well that changed everything and you don't really necessarily have that now yeah so but again like i said but there was sort of there was a whole lot of hand wringing when that was the case clearly a lot of people hated that so yeah they used to so. criticize it back then say, oh we just passed him in the pits that's not that right you know and i'm thinking well tactically it actually is because they made the right call for undercut mm-hmm. overcut whatever it was but also you have to consider all things back then too in the fact that they had refueling right. and, the, and the case about refueling was if you're new to formula one if you've only picked it up maybe since uh, mid-2000s or onward or even in the last 10 years yeah maybe so feels like yeah, yesterday. It does. <laughs> um, if you're new to Formula One, then there, here's what the refueling did also. So they would come into the pit, they would refuel and, and new tires. Now, the refueling meant that teams could run that extra element to their strategy, meaning they could run low fuel, low weight, so they could start the race just running, I mean, all out, flat mm-hmm. out. And they could try to pull enough of a lead that when they came in, they could uh, eat pit twice and just do light fuel loads and they could run faster, right? Or the strategy. Ran his entire strategy. Right. Or, or conversely, you could fuel heavy at the beginning, run longer than anyone else and just n- need a splash of fuel uh, at your second stop. Uh, so you're going to outrun and run longer than anyone for position. So it didn't always work. But as you can imagine, if you can think, if you're new to Formula One, you can think about adding that element to your strategy along with the tire compounds you're running. I'm not advocating 
bringing back refueling. I know there's safety concerns and all that, but you know this was all part and parcel of it, and it, it, it is your car, only if your car is driven by Felipe Massa. <laughs> yeah. You could pull that whole fuel rig down the uh, down the <laughs> pit lane with totally you. Totally safe, right? Totally safe unless you're Massa, yeah. right? So you know you add that into the whole theory of pit stops and are they exciting or not? I'm I'm guessing for me. Um, having tires that degrade quicker, um, and prompting two stops for every race, at least, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, so I'm fine with it, but I don't know that that's, uh, the huge thing. I think when they pit more and, and fueled less, it added a bigger dynamic, but I don't think I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be the same as when there was refueling. I also hate, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, like to me, I want to say, Here's some tires. You figure out how you run or want to run them. I hate the whole like you have to run both compounds, so you always have to come in. And yeah, somewhere. yeah. If you can run the whole race on one set of tires, Go do it. it. I want to see that happen. You right, know, right, right. And I think that's the spirit of Formula One that is different than other series. Is that it's kind of you know that's that's the ingenuity of it that I think that we again it's now become this artificialness. Well, you have to try both compounds. I don't care. Here is. 18 tires, you figure out what you want to do, however you want to do it, and everybody else is doing the same thing. I, that's right. what I want to see. Yeah, some chassis work better on some compounds than others, you know. And yeah. and back also, and you bring up a good point, back when we were doing refueling and more pit stops, uh, we had multiple manufacturers of tires. So different tire companies made different compounds, and they were right. all married to the teams that they were supplying. And, yeah, it's just a different age, but um, – uh, I think that's what I think would be interesting. The less less of the like you have to do these things because I think that while I while Formula One can't go back to the days of free money when you could just do what you want, right? You could just build and make a car and beat everybody. Um, that's just not the future of it, and that has to change. But I think this is one way that you could say, okay, here's some you have some confounds because you have some confines, right? Yeah. You have to work within, but they're very loose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Here, there's here are the four, here are the four compounds, run them however you want. Right. Yeah. There is a call, uh, by some formula one fans about opening the regulations. They feel they're too restrictive as it is. And, you know, when you think about, well, you, you, you know, you got to have DRS and you can only use it in this zone and that zone. Well, right. And naturally, what happens? The only time people really go for passing is in those zones, except unless you're Max Verstappen. <laughs> who who does not care about the laws? Doesn't care. Things. Yeah, right. No. He'll pass you anywhere. But right. but you know, normally, well, I'll just wait for the next DRS zone, line him up. And why and wouldn't him. you? And why wouldn't you? Yeah, right, right, right. And so you know, how they didn't know that was going to happen is beyond me. But um, I don't. Know. I don't know. I, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is is that it will never be the way it used to be, but this would be a way you could get something close to that. Yeah. You could say, you know, here's right. Here are the rules. However you want to see them. I think that's what we really want. You know, I think that's what I, stock cars exist, right? Yeah. We, right. We want some openness. This is why it's formula one and not stock car racing. So, right. It's not spec series. And I, and 
I, I'm not, uh, I don't want to come across as being the, you know, the old curmudgeon, the, the crotchety old fart that is, you know, pining for the 1957 Formula One series uh, uh, type or style racing. But uh, I'm all for having a new experience. I, I, it's not even trying to find and recapture the old glory days of 1994. I'm trying to, I mean, I, I don't care if it's not like that, but it's something better. I'm all for it. But it's just not, it isn't something better. Right. Right. So how do we get there? Let's at least do something better because whatever we're doing now isn't better than it was before. And it doesn't really have a, a, a trajectory of being better next year or in the future. So that's why these 2020 regulations are so critical for the new owners in order to get this series aligned correctly with teams, sponsors, circuit owners, fans, and exciting racing. They've got to get back to that. Um, Let's. Oh, I want to talk about real quick. Uh, uh, Carlos Sainz wins the rally of Dakar, the Dakar rally. He won that. Now, when Carlos Sainz came into F1, he was all. I was talking about the other Carlos Sainz, Carlos Sainz Jr. <laughs> in Formula One. When Carlos Sainz Jr. came into F1, he was always referred to in print as Carlos Sainz Jr. with the JR, right? right. Because of his dad, who is Carlos Sainz Sr., Carlo, the, the Carlos Sainz, right? That's right. And for a good reason, because his dad, Carlos Sr., is a racing champion in rally, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so you would normally, it's like Dale Earnhardt and Dale Jr., right? right? So, you know, over time, though, Carlos Jr. had pretty well put his foot on the neck of motorsport in Formula One and carved out his own niche so so well that I actually dropped using the junior or the JR behind his name because I think we all knew who the heck we were talking about. But now Carlos Sr. has got back into rally, won the Dakar rally this past weekend, and I was thinking, well, now, you know, we've got to put Junior back in there because uh, his dad's back in motorsport and doing well and winning uh, winning a, a Dakar. And 24 hours after posting that, I get a, a note from Renault saying, Carlos Junior now is going to run in the Monaco Rally, the final stage of the Monaco Rally. Which is awesome because that that's cool? the rally I actually watch. Every, yeah. every rally season I start out, this is the year I'm going to watch all the rallies. I, know, I always I know. watch Monaco because there's no Formula One going on. And then... That's it. I do the same thing. First, big congrats to Carlos's dad for the terrific. I mean, I think that's great. It's a great win. Yeah, he's 55 years old. I was going to say, he's no spring chicken. I think that's great. He's 55 years old, which happens to be the number I think Carlos Jr. runs on his car. Um, Yeah, and it was the last uh, uh, rally that Peugeot is going to participate in the Dakar. So uh, he gave Peugeot a win there. So that's great. Carlos Jr. at Monaco for Renault is interesting as it follows McLaren's idea or desire of letting drivers drive another series uh, like Alonso at IndyCar, Alonso at this weekend's uh, uh, Daytona 24, which I think is great. It resonates with a lot of fans because fans feel like this is kind of a throwback when the great F1 drivers are driving right. other series like Jim Clark and Graham Hill and, and uh, Bruce McLaren and those guys. And uh, I think the fans really love it. They love to see a guy like Alonso or Carlos uh, Sainz Jr., uh, teamed up in other series. It's one of the things I always yeah. wanted to see uh, a Sebastian Loeb in other series, you know, because he's such an epic driver, right? But it's like a it's like a crossover episode. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Homicide and Law and Order doing a crossover, right? Yeah, so, right, right, right. It's, it's great supposed to bring both fans mm-hmm. to each other, right? Right, and it always has a good you know impact on the racing and the series. Uh, look at Indy when you had Alonso, that had a good positive impact for Indy. Uh, for viewership all around the world, which is always good. Uh, so I think that's good. Now, there is another side of this. 
you know, I was surprised Renault let this happen because they learned a very, very sobering, harsh lesson with Robert Kubica. And it happened to be in rally as well. And rally is pretty darn dangerous. And yeah. it does make you wonder if this is the right series to let him run in. Not that running 220 miles an hour next to concrete walls in India isn't dangerous either. It is. It's incredibly dangerous. But... Uh, okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But you know, having gone through that with Robert Grace, you'd think mm-hmm. you'd you'd have your butt puckered a little bit. Like, I don't know. Are we doing the right thing here? I think it, I don't know. It also depends on what the last stage is. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. I, you know, I right. Know he's not yeah. running. He's not running the whole thing. It's, it's not rally Sweden. So that's a good I, point. That's I good. mean, it's so risky. I mean, again, it please, is. I realize I'm right. I'm armchair quarterbacking this. I'm not running rally car. I'm just saying that from my understanding that this could not be as, you know, risky crazy as it may seem it depends on what the last what the last stage is it that does he's running. and let's but, face it he's got the one of the best coaches possible <laughs> yeah you know what you know it would be almost worse see i would think that i would never want to i would never want to go into the field that my dad was yeah right you know right like i just seems like that's that would be terrible like well you know when you did this thing wrong great Thanks. That's really building my confidence, Dad. Thanks a lot. You know, right? I I would never want to be. I would never want to be a race car driver in the same series as my dad. It'd be tough. It'd be tough. Uh, Like, uh, oh, you think you know everything? You know? Yeah. I see. You took that corner wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then you didn't break early enough for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in other news, kind of big news, Williams F1 finally announced their second driver to team with Lance Stroll. And that second driver is Russian Sergei Sorokin. Um, For those of you that haven't Googled it, you can Google Sergei and find out all of his past. But uh, a quick a snapshot is that he joined Sauber in 2013, if you recall, as a reserve driver. His aim was really to get a seat at Sauber in 2014. That didn't happen, but they did keep him on as a reserve driver for the season. And all of the Friday running that he did allowed him to get a super license. So he did have that. He moved to Renault in 2016 as a reserve driver and does ha- actually have an engineering degree. He's a sharp cookie. Um, and he finished third in the GP2 series, I think twice, maybe, if memory serves, a couple times, and apparently impressed Williams enough, I guess impressing them would also mean how much cash he had, I presume, uh, to take him on as a partner of Lance Stroll. 
all the press reports, Grace, you, you, you read them as well as I did. You know, these, and we've talked about this previously, uh, all the, the press and the reporters in the F1 panic were always talking about, well, you know, they're going to, they're going to be definitely looking at Bobby Kay, uh, because the fact is Sorokin and Lance are both young and Martini's just not going to stand for having two young guys, not of drinking age, blah, 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 blah. Um, that kind of thing. Um, and they, they've said that ad nauseum in the press accounts of this. And come to find out, Martin, that was never a stipulation. You know, it was almost like they couldn't care less. Um, and I, I wasn't really buying it either. I, I didn't understand. I mean, who cares? You know, that Martini's on the side of the car and you've got a 19-year-old driving it. Well, okay, but the 19-year-old legally isn't drinking that product. But Sir Frank might be. He's of age, for crying out loud. It never stopped them during the tobacco age. Right, right. Yeah, they say, well, you know, he's driving a Marlboro car and he's not old enough to buy a pack of Reds. Right, right. Yeah. That I That's not true. You know, right? Yeah. I find that pretty thin, too. Yeah, me too. You're crazy. Yeah, that makes sense to me, man. Uh, so anyway, they've got him. Now, uh, a lot of I you... I want to note this is probably my only prediction from our show two weeks ago that'll come true. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That it won't be Bobby Kay. Whoever the Williams signs will not be Bobby Kay. Well, it was Sorokin. It wasn't Bobby Kay. See, this is, I, that's there what I'm saying. Go. Like, this is the only one I think that will actually pan out. Yep. So they, they, but for those of you upset that they didn't sign Robert Kubica, they actually did sign him, but not as the race driver. They gave that to Sorokin and they retained Robert Kubica as a reserve driver. Now, before you moan about that, and there's a whole host of good reasons why you'd be upset about that, because a lot of people like Robert Kubica and it's a great story for him to come back and get a ride at a Formula One team after being out for, I don't know, five, six years, something like that. Um, before you moan about it, think about it this way, though. This may be the best move to get him back in a full-time ride if Williams tested him against uh, Paul DeResta and and uh, other drivers. Right. Like Sorokin. And if Bobby K wasn't quite there on pace wise or wasn't quite ready for prime time, then having a reserve drive and allowing him to do a lot of Friday testing and Friday, uh, Friday running is probably a really good position for him to be in to sort of develop and improve his familiarity familiarity with current F1 cars. So it's not all as bad as it sounds because he is going to have be the reserve driver at Williams and he will have Friday seat time. So um, that's good. You know, save versus not getting landing a seat. This is the next best step. So there you have it. Yeah. So now it's Lance Stroll, Sergey Sorokin with uh, Robert Kubica's reserve. So, and I think honestly, this is good. I mean, I think that I think to think that Bobby K again, I think emotionally that's who we want to get the other sure, seat, but sure. I think reserve driver is a good place to put him. So, I think that's the realistic decision and I think that I, I I'm behind that. As much yeah. as emotionally I'd really want Bobby K to be the other seat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. All right. Well, hey, I added a new thing for the podcast. And for those of you listening, if you go to our website at the top right menu, you will see a section uh, on the menu that says TPF Q&A. And if you click on that, it'll go to a list of questions where you can actually enter in your question for us. 
under the category uh, podcast mailbag. And we will get to your questions and we'll answer your questions on the podcast. And we're going to do that now, Grace, because it's time for the mailbag. Whee! How about that? Hey, huh? it's time. You? Do you like that? Help! Help! I'm being repressed! Yes! A religious talent. A religious talent. I love that. So, Grace. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, so Grace, oh wait, just for you. Jojo, the idiot circus boy. Grace loves that one. <laughs> oh, Jojo. Grace Where's loves his ride that at one. Williams? Yes, Grace loves that one. Okay. So Grace, mailbag time. Uh the first question comes from Todd B. Todd, I like your name, by the way. Um, yeah, I like yeah. that. And no, I didn't write this one. Just, you know, everybody's like, nobody's asking them idiots questions. They're just, you know, answering their own questions. No, I'm not. I didn't write this. You, you got your seal legs and all you can come up with is Todd. <laughs> I've known you for a long time. I think you'd be at least creative enough to come up with a different name than Todd. You know? Right. I'd use like Huxley or Atticus or something, you know. Right. Something. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Todd B. asked this. He says, Hey, is any of the staff going to the 24 of D Daytona? Additionally, want to meet up somewhere for a chat during the race. Todd, that's a great... No, you know what I'm... Oh, wait a minute. I, I'm so poised for this. Seriously, Todd. Right? Stop yelling at Todd. Right? I've got all these Todd jokes here. Come on, Todd. You're enjoying these. These are all at your and my expense, right? Come on. Show Todd some love. Right? So anyway, uh, Todd, uh, I am not going, but I think Paul... Maybe down there. Grace, you're not going to Daytona, right? I'm not going. Okay. So I think Paul may be down there. And if you go on Twitter, at Paul F1B on Twitter and send him a message, I think he's going down there. Now, I don't know if he'll be there for the whole race or if he's doing some business stuff ahead of the race. I don't know. But if you uh, if you send him a tweet and uh, he may be down there, you might be able to hook up with you or who knows. So uh, good question, though. Seems legit. Why wouldn't we go to Daytona 24? I've been before. Great race. Um, had a lot of fun. All right. Next one is from Wayne Gretsch. I think that's how you pronounce your last name, Wayne. I have no idea. Although when I say Gretsch, it reminds me of guitars. Um, so Wayne asks. I'm going to pretend this is actually Wayne Gretzky and this oh, is him coming up with a fake name. That's it. That's Wayne Gretzky's fake name. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, that's right. Uh, so Wayne Agreed. says, I, now this is a good question. And I think you're going to have some insight on this because mm -hmm. you've been to a few. All right. All right. Wayne asks this, I'm planning to go to a race this year, anywhere in the world. Can you suggest the best track from a spectator's point of view, transport, ease of access, spectator viewpoints and weather i'm familiar with the tracks but i know some of the more classic tracks may have poor facilities and location like spa silverstone or suzuka at this stage i think coda may have the best combination if there's no tornado right yeah right <laughs> and he sure. said natural disasters yeah happening. i was there during the hurricane um so he says uh it's a big investment yes it is and I'd like to make a good choice. Advice would be appreciated. And I think some other listeners uh, might like it too. So, Grace, you've been to a few here. Well, and you've been to Abu Dhabi. You've been to uh, Canada. You've been to Austin. Am I missing some? 
No, that's it. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a wild guess. And, and, and Wayne, I'm going to say before Grace even says it, and we'll see if I'm right. I'm going to think she's going to say Canada. Of course. I, I mean, I think that um, – okay, so first of all, weather aside, I, I've often commented that – you know, the weather, when the weather is good for humans, it's not good for the racing, right? It's not good for the tires. So the weather is always miserable for the humans because it's always at least 80 degrees or higher or 30 right. degrees Celsius, you know? So um, it's always terribly hot. I don't think that's, I don't think you can get better. I, you know what I mean? To me, I guess weather is almost a non, non sequitur. Um, unless maybe you're in spa, but you can just walk around the track and the weather will be something different. So, um, <laughs> you know, the Arden Forest. Um, yeah, it'll be right raining now. on you down at the hairpin or the source <laughs> and then the sunny or Pujol. Yeah. Just go somewhere else. So, no, I think that from, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you can ride the metro there. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty simple and you're right in the city. And so, yeah, I mean... But I've also only have been to three tracks, and um, Austin was great. I mean, I think that, yeah, you had to take a shuttle bus or drive and sit through traffic, but I think you probably have that at all the tracks. I've been to a lot more um, IndyCar tracks and NASCAR tracks here in the States than I have been to other Formula One races, and that seems pretty much the norm. And I thought Austin, the first year we went, which is the only year I went, um, had a pretty good system, so I would assume yeah, it that it's better, right? So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's gotten better. Uh-huh. So um, I think from that standpoint, Austin, Austin probably is a good. I think uh, you know, Circuit du America is a is a good choice. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say in Austin, my favorite place to sit. You can buy GA tickets and sit on the grassy knoll anywhere between turn two and 11. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, r- coming out of those S's is where you really see those cars doing their stuff. And yeah, it's just fantastic. Paul and I always uh, walk up there and sit there for a good portion of the race and, I thought and that watch was a, it. It's great. Yeah. It's a great place. I thought to that see was it. a great, a great part about Austin. I mean, yeah. was that usually GA is, you know, obstructed view kind of places or, you know, right. well, we couldn't put stands here, so we'll let people stand here. And, uh, I think that Austin really did a good job of the GA seats are really places you want to be. You yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah, they uh, are. Yeah, they're, so they I were good. They, so I, I would, I think Austin would be a great choice. I, I also do, of course, think Montreal would be a great choice because it's a great city and you can metro everywhere and um, you can, you can choose. You know, I mean, like this last time we went, we specifically kind of picked a place that was away from Crescent Street and kind of away from the circus. But you can easily pick something that's closer to the circus or metro to the circus. So, um, it, you know, there's choices. There's um, It's a great track. It's not as walkable as Austin is, as I found out. Um, depending, once you're sort of in your section, you're sort of in your section. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's great. And yeah. I think Austin's great, but yeah, Austin, you can go around the entire track, and then I rode out on the press area on the bus with Matt LeBlanc. That was interesting. Um, you're wrong, Matt. By the way, um, so anyway, uh, I, I would. What? what was your big? Oh, argument? I can't go into it because I wouldn't. You know, I you know I don't want to betray Matt. You know, and just just know that he was wrong, wasn't it? Right? <laughs> no, no, but. Yeah, so I don't watch stuff gear. Uh, so anyway, um, I think Austin's a good choice. Uh, I got to tell you, Wayne, though, as far as European 
Uh, I think Spa is awesome. You're right. It may be, it, I, you know, I was over there and it was going to be difficult for me to get down uh, to Spa, but everyone I've ever talked to that's went to Monza just found it absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and I think you're right. It's that getting into and out of, but you know, when you've got 120,000, 150,000 people at some of these premier races trying to get in and out, it's just going to be slow, you know, and it's, uh, even Austin's not without its challenges and you're waiting in the, on the buses or, or, um, that kind of thing. And, and it happens, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with circuit of the Americas. And I also think Canada is a great choice. I think Monza is a great choice. I've heard a lot of good things about Singapore mm-hmm. and definitely a lot of great things about Australia. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's true. I guess, I guess, you know, right. That's what I'm saying is that and some level, you can't get away from the fact that most racetracks aren't near people because people don't want to deal with the noise and everything mm-hmm. that comes to the racetrack. So, I think you just have to play. I mean, again, this is true of Montreal. And even though there's Metro, you have to get there early. You know, if if you want to be there at 10 o'clock, well, you got to plan to leave at eight. You know, you can't, there is no spontaneity with that. You you can't decide at 10. I want to be there by 1030. Yeah, you can't get there that fast. So, um, you know, get there early, plan to be there all day, bring a cooler, make some friends, buy some beer, whatever. Come early, stay late, bring some sunscreen. I think that... Um, it's going to be true of any, I think that's true again of any track I've ever been to for any racing series is that you got to get there and you're kind of there all day. So, um, and the circuit of the Americas, you know, they usually have the concert after the race that you can go Mm -hmm. to. And, you know, there's other races, other tracks that have uh, attractions like that afterwards too. But, uh, uh, but it's a great question, Wayne. And for anyone else listening, you know, let Wayne know in the comment section of this podcast, uh, where you would recommend and why, you know, it, it, Wayne's asked for some pretty particular things, you know, the, the, the spectator's point of view, uh, transport, ease of access, spectator viewpoints, uh, the weather, those kind of things. And, and let Wayne know what you thought. If you, uh, if Australia is, is great, um, Monza, Singapore, um, any of those, uh, Silverstone, any of those that, uh, that you felt you had a great experience and you've gone several years and it's been uh, great. Let Wayne know because uh, Wayne's, you know, if it's international, Wayne's talking about dropping some serious bucks on this. So uh, I want to make sure he gets a good experience. Um, The next question comes from Matt. Uh, He says, uh, my question is, where would you predict drivers will end up before the start of the 2019 season? We're late to the question, uh, but he and uh, some buds were doing this sort of uh, 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 game of trying to guess where the drivers would land as far as silly season goes. Um, He said, I would have gotten Sorokin for Williams, uh, and I wasn't sure early on about Leclerc. Uh, uh, He he said – wait, I said that. He said, uh, where do you predict they'll end up in the 2019 season? So I said this. God grief. Uh, I said, we're late to this question, but uh, it went down in my mind. I don't know about Grace, but in my mind, it went down kind of how I would predict it to go down. Although I wouldn't have gotten Sorokin, I don't think of Williams. I wouldn't have picked that early on. Um, and and about uh, Leclerc at, at uh, Sauber, once Sauber announced that they were not going to go with Honda. They were going to stick with Ferrari. Then I think that was a foregone conclusion. But as far as 2019, um, that's a really good question. You know, uh, there's a lot of changing 
of places. There's contracts that are up. Lewis's is up. Kimi's is up. Um, there's a lot of opportunity, and you got to throw Daniel Ricardo in there too. Um, he's up for renewal. Will he remain at Red Bull? It's a good game. Matt says that uh, they're they're running this uh, uh, game kind of like we do on race predictions, where they're trying to predict where these drivers will end up. And um, so in the comment section, everybody let Matt know what you think, because he's playing against his buddies and, uh, uh, you know, he could probably use some fuel on what what you think, what drivers will end up where at the start of the 2019 season. It's a good game. I like it. What do you think, Grace? Ooh, I think, I mean, I'm definitely interested in where Ricciardo goes. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kimmy's always a, you know, right? Like, would anybody, anybody be surprised if Kimmy's like, oh, I'm going back to trucks? No. Nope. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, right? you know, Grace, you got Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes all with a seat that will be coming open. You know, that's, those are all big, big yeah, decisions. Right, right. Now, it wouldn't stun me if all three just stuck with who they have. No, right. I mean, again, I, I'm I'm a fan of consistency in your race team. So why would you why would you bring on somebody new if you don't have to? Especially if you're one of those three teams that have had some amount of success. Right. I think right. it would be interesting to see where Ricciardo goes. I think it would be interesting to see if Verstappen goes somewhere else. Um, yeah, because he's locked down. A- he renewed, but you know, somebody could buy that contract out for a lot of money uh, if they wanted him bad enough. But yeah, you know, contracts. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's right. Going, right, right, right. Um, I was just trying to think, like, who would I be? No, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't have a. I think Ricciardo because I think he's really talented and really unhappy. And yeah. It it just it wouldn't stun me to see Daniel Ricciardo over at Ferrari. And no, a lot of I a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you know, he and Sebastian were together, and he beat Sebastian at Red Bull." And yeah, I get it. It was Seb's last year, and I think Seb already knew he was going to Ferrari. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I don't think it would bother Seb at all if Ricardo. Was I don't either. I think that's yeah. us trying to make a story. I don't think yeah. it's all I, I don't think it would bother him. I don't think that would phase him. Um, I don't, he's yeah. been a little successful. I think that, yeah. you know, he's got four titles. So, right. Yeah. I yeah. think he's over that. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, Matt. That's kind of my mm-hmm. thinking, uh, on some of the changes, some of the smaller teams. I don't know. You know, depends on if those open seats ahead, do they advance Esteban Ocon somewhere? Uh, do they retain Lewis? I would assume yes. Yeah, um, why wouldn't you? you know, I, again, I think that Lewis is the one that would leave, not Mercedes. Yeah, right, right, Lewis, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think if Lewis is fed up go? with it. Um, right, if Lewis is fed up or had enough and wants to do something else, then maybe he would. I think Kimi's yeah. probably at most at risk. Um, I think Lance Stroll and Sorokin, both young guys, they've got time. I think Rosberg, I mean, not Rosberg, Hulkenberg <laughs> and uh, Carlos Sainz, I think they're good. Um yeah, I just don't change. You know, there could be some changes at Haas um, for the 2019 season, not 2018. We're talking about 2019 at right. the beginning of that. So you never know, but it's a good question. Uh, food for yeah. food for thought. Uh, and finally, in the mailbag, Stephen Hitchings asks, 
I keep reading about costs in F1, how they keep climbing, how spec parts or old engines will save money. This might be true for certain line items in a budget. However, does the rise in costs have more to do with the continued tightening in regulations than it does with hybrid engines? Leaving less room to innovate and places to find time means more man hours are needed to find improvements in a limited playing field. The tightening of regulations reduces gray matter as a resource. If F1 were to open up the regulations while implementing a cost cap, then brands can compete with dollars for the role of most valuable resources. And I think, Stephen, it's a great, great question. And it's a little bit what Grace was alluding to early about the regulations and being restrictive in that sense that, um, you know, there's only so much room to move. Right, Grace? Right. Yeah. And and I think what we want, you know, if we, the perfect Formula One would be no rules. I don't think that's, again, I don't think that's true of all racing, you know, all racing series, especially, right, that's the opposite of a spec series. But I think in Formula One, what we really want is like two rules, you know, it has to have four wheels and an engine, build whatever you want, you know, I mean, right. so I think, you know, we always sort of have an ethos of every rule you add to it is more restrictive and that makes it less Formula One-like. Um, right, I don't right. think we can ever be that open anymore. Um, there just isn't the money for it, but... Right, right. I, I, I agree. I think that I think it should be. I'm all for the gray matter. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Stephen. I think you pose a question a little bit of what Jean Tau alluded to in a recent comment when he was saying, "Look, you know, the cost caps are great, and and that's fine. But the the only real way we're going to achieve this is actually through a combination of cost caps and regu- regulations." And I've argued uh, at some length, and I think. Maybe a little bit in some of my interviews with Steve Matchett, this came up, you know, orbitally, if you will. Uh, but I think in some sense, those regulations could be, and I and I have to think this is what Rossman's trying to do right now. You could, and I've asked this question in, in a few editorials just in the last three or four weeks, as a matter of fact, Stephen. Um, you could actually craft regulations that create a point of diminished returns on your investment. And if you write the regulations as such that a team could spend a hundred million or twenty million in it, and that additional eighty million isn't really going to gain them anything. You know? Mm-hmm. And this also goes back to what Ross is sort of suggesting and Ferrari uh, got upset about, which is look, there's a ton of parts on these cars that that could be spec parts that have nothing to do with the performance of the car, they make no measurable right. impact on the performance of the car. Um, why not make those just standard off-the-shelf parts? Write that in the regulations that these are the parts you're going to use, and these nuts cost you know a dollar twenty-five right. each, and these are whatever. I think there's something to be said about that, Stephen, and I think you've got to the core of Ross Braun's challenge here, which is to open the regulations with a reduced amount of revenue to spend. You could do that through uh, uh, spec parts that have nothing to do with the performance of a car and that have nothing to do that would make a Ferrari not a Ferrari, right? And you could do that. Um, and then open up that creative challenge. What I've argued, and Paul and I have argued, is, okay, well, just just make one spec part on the entire, that's it. That's all we're asking. Make a front wing that only generates 20% of the downforce, right? And if you did that, 
You can't crank on downforce at the back. You can't crank on a bunch of downforce and make an unbalanced car. And the engineers would have to engineer around that 20% to try to figure out how to make their cars work. And there would be more of a diminished return. But it's a great question. Let us, uh, uh, for the rest of you listeners out there, let us know what you think about it. I mean, is Stephen right? It, could we open the regulations but write them as such – that it locks down and facilitates that sort of cost cap and that diminished return and then allow that gray matter to really flourish within those material confines uh, to come up with some really interesting uh, concepts. So it's a good point. I liked it. Uh, and I think the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. they can do that. I think so. It take you know, it's going to take some sharp minds, but uh, uh, and well, you know, they've they've got Ross they've got a few over there, yeah. And he 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 at least knows other right sharp minds to bring. He does. Forward, right? He does. Yep, he yeah. certainly does. All right, all right. It's time for some awards. And the first award of the podcast is always post of the week. Grace, I am giving this to our longtime friend, listener, reader, Paul, out of Austin, Rapier Man. Paul is a uh, a good fan of the website and always uh, supports uh, uh, everything we do and and retweets our tweets and uh, just such a, a, a delightful guy. And uh, I, I've met Paul a couple times, and he's just a, mm-hmm. a nice guy. And uh, so anyway, he had commented on this uh, story I wrote about, could Cosworth, Aston Martin, and Red Bull Racing join forces uh, to make a run at Mercedes? And he said, uh, sure, why not? Pool their resources to help a new team get into the system. Let the new team pick the drivers, hire the pit crew, and so on, and they're in business. It's almost like the way Haas came in as a customer team. They still did some of the work, but they did buy – uh, from someone, Ferrari, and uh, for some of the parts, right? So he brings up a good point. And the point is, I'm thinking on this, Cosworth, a- Aston Martin, and Red Bull. Red Bull is currently working with Aston Martin. Cosworth's talking about working with them on the engine for their supercar. The fact is, you could almost treat this as one joint venture between the three of them doing very similar to what Haas did, where they're buying the chassis, not from Delara, but they're buying from the chassis from Red Bull. So they've got an incredible chassis Adrian Newey designed. They've got all the other spec parts they could get, um, and they've got the engine, drivetrain, everything from Cosworth. Uh, they've got Aston as the manufacturer and brand and sponsor behind that. I mean, you know, to Paul's point, it is, you know, you could – approach us a little bit as a JV uh, like and come at it at Haas for those spec parts or listed parts, not spec parts, listed parts type of thing um, and try to reduce your costs, get more involved behind that team in the, in the form of Aston Martin and Cosworth. And so uh, I, for me, I'd like to see it, but uh, that would be a true privateer. It'd be awesome uh, to mm-hmm. see him. But anyway, good, good uh, food for thought, Paul. Yeah. Appreciate it as always. All right, the next award's Grace's favorite because it's the Lewis Hamilton Fashion Award. Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, there's no stopping him. Lucky Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, there's no stopping him. All right, Grace. I just like that you threw in all my favorite things. Like a <laughs> clean dynamite and speed racer. Good job. It's great. Oh, my. I had to dig deep on this. Grace and I were saying before uh, before we were recording, we were saying, you know, I, I don't want to get – I feel like I'm always picking on Lewis. We named the fashion war because, you know, he's 
he's just so easy because he's such a you know slave to fashion. He's always wearing all these these incredible you know high fashion outfits that he that he does. And, uh, you know, he's easy. If you want to find a fashion, we just go to Lewis's Facebook page. And there he is dressed to the nines in some outlandish uh, outfit that looks great on him. You know, I couldn't pull it off, but it uh, looks great on him. And he's easy to, to, uh, to, to pick. So I thought, okay, this week I'm going to find somebody different. I'm going to throw a curveball and I'm going to dig deep, deep. And I'm going to find someone from your past, from listeners past. <laughs> Boy, did I find it. And sure I know did. what you're thinking. Grace, right now, people are listening to this podcast. And say, oh, they're going to go Adrian Satil and George. Of course. Of course. Of course. They're going to go Giancarlo Fisichella and white sunglasses. Of course. <laughs> nope. Not where I went. I give you former F1 driver Antonio Pizzonia, the pizza man himself. Now, you're going to have to go to this podcast on our website to see the picture. But it is a picture of him doing his workout routine shirtless. And he's running what through what looks to be a public park. Yeah, it's like somebody's rec center. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It looks like Three Rivers Park. With a parachute attached to his butt. Yeah, he's literally got a pair of running shorts on, tight fitting, I might add. <laughs> and he's got clipped to his shorts, and it's almost pulling his shorts off. He's got a parachute on him. I and don't know much about exercise, but I've been doing it wrong. Exactly. From these pictures. Exactly. Imagine. I, I know Paul's gotten into running lately. <laughs> Not right. No. Can you imagine Paul running through the streets of uh, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth with a parachute oh. attached to his butt? That I love would be it. Awesome. That would be awesome. So you have to see the picture. I had to go to his Twitter account to find it. and I And I might add, there's a lot of pictures of man butts in there so i don't know what's going on there but uh but anyway this is a great picture and he's are they his butts or other men's no butts? they're other men's butts i know there's a picture of a guy with his riding a bicycle nude in his butt and then there's a maybe i'm following the wrong twitter feed you might be <laughs> you might I, be i think that's what i've learned here yeah i think maybe if you're not following pizza man you need to because he's got pictures of men in the gym on you know treadmills and their shorts are half falling off and yeah i mean you know my life i'm not i know the right people i know more power to you but uh there you go so the Pizza Man's my winner. You have to go check it out. All right. Well, the last award is recently renamed, rechristened, the Sean Bratch's Bravado Award. All right, Grace, I'm going with Lewis Hamilton, not for the fashion, but for the Bravado Award, because right. he had a big IWC as a manufacturer of high-end watches. They make a really good watch, by the way. And I'm not paid to say that because, you know, I would say more about them if they'd send me one of their watches, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah, me too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're still waiting on Red Bull, right? I'm still waiting on my Omega, man. Um, and Red Bull to send me my free 20-ounce cans. Um, so anyway, IWC, great watches, uh, high-end watch. They're a sponsor of uh, Mercedes. And Lewis was scheduled to go to an event, a sponsor event. So Valtteri shows up, Mercedes shows up, no Lewis. And so the press said, well, where's Lewis? And Mercedes, ah, you know, he, he fell ill. He's uh, not feeling well. Meanwhile... Around that event, 
Lewis is posting on his social media. He's all over the snow on a snowboard in Japan with his buddies snowboarding like crazy and snowmobiling and then going down to the coast and surfing. And then he sends a tweet out to IWC. Oh, sorry to miss my my pals, my buddies over at IWC. Have a great event. Meanwhile, he's down there, you know, having beach barbecues and going up in the mountains and skiing and or snowboarding and, and having a great time. Now, in fairness to Lewis, I don't know. Maybe he did that like the week prior and he just got around to posting the pictures at the same time. But it sure didn't come across very well. No, sure not. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just it. If you're going to skip a, a title sponsor event. Get your story straight. Yeah, probably ought to not That's like if you're going to sneak out, but... make sure that you tell your mom that you're going to Jennifer's house and you tell Jennifer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's important. So, so anyway, right. that's my bravado. All right. Well, that does it for this podcast. But uh, be sure to stop by the website, the park, the park for me dot com right. and uh, share your opinion in the comment section. Do it with decorum and civility, as always. You can go to our new forum and hang out there. It's up at the menu. It says forums. You can go there, go to all the forums, and you can register there for the new forum and start your own topics, your own conversations. Again, for the mailbag, you can go to TPF Q&A and uh, leave us a question for the podcast, and we'll try our best to get to that on the podcast. Huge, huge thank you to those of you that signed up on Patreon this week. Again, um, you know, after making this whole move, I keep saying this. I just said, the heck with it. We're just going to be listener-supported. And uh, you listening to this, you, yes, you, you're the only reason that we're continuing to do this. So if you've thought about supporting us, we'd appreciate you going to Patreon and signing up and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month. I appreciate that. Um, so huge thank you. If you like the podcast, go over to iTunes. Give us a good, uh, good uh, rating over there in iTunes. Spread the love. I got to tell you, I moved the whole podcasting over to SoundCloud and the RSS feeds there. It should be feeding all your RS podcast uh, catchers and and uh, what you listen to podcasts on. If it's not, let me know. But uh, wow, the listener the listening is just spiked through the roof. Um, it's amazing uh, how many people are, are uh, listening, and uh, it's humbling at the same time and and a little scary, Grace. Always. Yeah. I am always a little frightened by that. I know. it's, it, And I can tell you, actually, I can tell you as we're here live, I one thing I found very interesting is to find out which city around the world during the past uh, you know, week or whatever has the most listens. Who's listening to us? What city is listening to us the, the most? And I can tell you as of right now, it's North Vancouver in Canada leading the charge as a top city, followed by Lexington, Kentucky. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. And Zionsville, Indiana. How about that? That's pretty so, cool. So I think as a reward, we should all go to Vancouver. That's a great idea. I honeymooned there with my wife, and it's beautiful. I love Vancouver. Oh, it's so beautiful. I think, you know, yeah. it seems only right. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love Vancouver. It's nice. So anyway, uh, that changes all the time, man, and it's fun to watch, uh, and and it just blows your mind where people are listening to this. Uh, Just last week I was looking at it. It was a town in Australia, um, uh, a suburb of of, uh, Melbourne. And Melbourne, sorry. And um, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. So a uh, huge, huge thank you uh, for listening. And uh, gosh, I guess we'll be back uh, next week to do it all over again. 
and uh, talk about Formula One news. In the meantime, if you have anything uh, uh, you'd like to chat us up on, you can leave a question on our website. You can send us an email at tpf at theparkforme.com. Feel free to do that as well. And until next week, when we do it all over again, this is Todd, a.k.a. Negative Camber, saying so long, Grace. See you next week. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I don't feel I've got to prove at all. I, I don't think I, I don't really want to prove anything. I started as an amateur not, uh, with no idea or no intention of uh, becoming world champion. It was I was curious to find out um, what it was like to drive a car fast, to drive on a certain circuit, to drive a certain type of car. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.